when you have a purpose and you are committed to serving others, you will find reserves of courage and commitment and discipline that you didn't know you had. I really believe that purpose and focusing on others gets us out of ourselves in the best possible way so that we can get our minds off of our own problems, our own worries, and put ourselves into a place where we matter due to what we have to give to others. Hi everyone, I'm Nathan Gardner and this is We Can Remake the World, a podcast about people who are changing the world and how you can help. Listen, real talk, 2021 was not the year I thought it would be, could be, should have been, but that doesn't mean it didn't bring some good things along the way or that it isn't setting us up for a better year next year. I mean, at this point, most of where we have to go is up. Although there have been some really amazing things that did happen this year, which we'll get into in a bit. So maybe 2021 wasn't the year everything changed for the better in many ways, pandemic or not. You know what I'm inspired by, though? People who have found a way to adapt, to be resilient, to pivot and shift and just Take global events in stride and find a way to thrive anyway. I want to spend today highlighting examples of people and organizations who have found a way to adapt and have found a way to thrive and grow no matter what the circumstances were. To make a change as far as how they operated, a change to their philosophies, and who serve as an example and an inspiration to the rest of us. I want to share these stories with you to inspire you, I hope, and to help you understand that you can do the same thing in your own way, at your own scale, in your own life. We all can, with a little courage and a little strength and a little encouragement from others. Today, we want to highlight what's possible, even in the face of incredibly challenging circumstances. Every single one of our guests inspires me. Every conversation we have is exciting, no matter what we're focused on during each episode. Every guest has a unique approach and a unique way of looking at the world. A unique vantage point, which they share with us, which highlights the problem that they see based on where they're focused and the solution that they're building, whatever makes sense to them. And I always learn something new and come away feeling empowered to do something, to be part of the solution our guests are building. But today we're going to focus on a few of our guests who are especially inspiring given world events. Leaders who are showing us that it's possible not only to survive a pandemic, whether you're a nonprofit or a company or an individual, but to grow their impact and serve others to an even greater degree when people out there are in more need than ever. Let's start with Rethink Food, one of our recent guests. Rethink launched in 2017, and if you didn't catch the recent episode, their original vision was to collect unused food from restaurants around New York City, and then to turn that excess food into meals, which they would sell or donate to those without secure access to food. Free leftovers from restaurants, which becomes skillfully prepared meals, which generates both revenue to cover cost, and also generates meals, which they donate to those in need. That's how it was designed to work. 
And Rethink was doing well after two years of growth through 2019. But the lockdown in early 2020 meant no restaurant service, which meant no supply of food. Time to pivot. In April 2020, as thousands of small businesses and restaurants were struggling with the first lockdown imposed in New York, Rethink launched a new program, which they called Rethink Certified. Rethink wasn't afraid to adapt and take a risk with something new, which I find so inspiring, and it worked. Rethink started by partnering with world-famous Eleven Madison Park, a three-star Michelin restaurant in New York City, to employ a small team of cooks who they hired to prepare meals for hungry New Yorkers using food resources that were suddenly available as restaurants were forced to close and throw away all kinds of supply that they had due to lockdown closures. This grew into Rethink reimagining the dining experience. And when diners started to come back to restaurants, Rethink worked with those restaurant partners to ask fine diners at restaurants where the customers can very likely afford a small donation to make a donation part of their meal. It's included in their check. The funds collected from those donations are then funneled towards smaller, locally-owned restaurants in cities around the United States who can use that money to keep themselves afloat during an evolving situation, a challenging time, where they can't connect with their customers with full freedom and consistency. These restaurants then, as part of their reciprocity for the program, they're giving back, they also cook meals for the food insecure in their immediate area, thereby increasing the donation volume of Rethink as well. It's sort of this brainchild of a supply chain genius from a food system point of view, I think. It sounds kind of complicated, but it's really simple. Collect funds and food, and then give both of them to those who need it. Rethink is now working with top chefs in Miami, San Francisco, Chicago, Nashville, and New York, and soon others to support the Rethink Certified program and have grown their impact extensively beyond what they originally set out to do, which was to collect food donations, repackage, resell, and then donate. Rethink has now invested over $10 million in independently owned restaurants around the United States, who they pay to cook fresh meals for local community centers, essentially. Over 2 million meals have now been given away. And this matters during something like a pandemic, when people's jobs and income are not as secure. People need more consistent access to low-cost or free food. This is what's possible when we choose creative thinking and reinvention of what we're facing, what exists, over panic and defeat. And it's not easy. Of course, I'm sure Matt Josiak, the founder of Rethink, would not say that this was an overnight idea that turned into success within a very short amount of time. They had to refine it and get their sea legs and continue to build it. But if we can find it in ourselves to listen to our instincts and make that risky move, take that chance, it could potentially lead to some incredible opportunities that we never would have found otherwise. I'd be interested to ask Matt if he thinks that where they are today would be the same as if the pandemic had never happened, if they just continued growing on their former path. This might have created opportunities for them to serve more people than ever before and launched them into a new way of thinking about what they do for the better. And while we're on the topic of food insecurity, let's highlight two other nonprofits who we've had on as guests in the past. 
Rescuing Leftover Cuisine in New York City, who was our first guest, actually, and Eden Gibbs in Detroit. As is often the case during a crisis of any kind, natural disasters or really anything, the number of those in need only increases because people who are vulnerable suddenly have a whole lot more coming up against them. Feeding America, the largest food insecurity-focused nonprofit in the United States, estimates that the number of people who are food insecure in the United States increased by 17 million people due to the impacts of the COVID pandemic. And while resources for many were shrinking as, again, job security was fluctuating and people were losing consistency and stability in schooling and childcare, nonprofits like Rescuing Leftover Cuisine and Eden Gives had more people who needed their support than ever before in their local communities. Midway through 2020, Rescuing Leftover Cuisine launched a really smart partnership with Grubhub. This was one of their first steps to adapt in the pandemic, to build relationships with organizations who they knew could grow their mission and get through the pandemic having done more than they could have anyway. This partnership with Grubhub allowed them to support a goal of providing over 1,000 meals a week in the New York City and Massachusetts areas of where they operate. And it allowed them to connect with a much greater volume of resources through the restaurants they were now introduced to through Grubhub. If you're not aware or don't remember, Rescuing Leftover Cuisine picks up donated leftovers from restaurants and catering companies, offices, and then funnels those leftover foods to community centers, essentially serving the homeless many times, but also other folks who depend on community centers for food and resources. Throughout 2021, Rescuing Leftover Cuisine has worked with its network of tireless volunteers around the United States and major cities all over the country to rescue between 40,000 and 50,000 pounds of food that would have gone to waste every month. And that translates to a monthly amount of around 30 to 40,000 meals provided. That's every month. That's thousands per week. When those in need can rely on the support of an organization like Rescuing Leftover Cuisine, the uncertainty of the pandemic becomes a bit more manageable. The success story here relies on Rescuing Leftover Cuisine reaching out within their community to build partnerships which could grow their impact to do greater good, and relying on volunteers who didn't back down from a challenging situation. They also depend on their volunteers and can't operate without them. If all of those volunteers had stayed home and not gotten out, taking some risk for their own health potentially, then this impact couldn't have been reached. It speaks about the courage and the power within communities, I think. And Eden Gives in Detroit has a similar story. Instead of lowering their impact due to fewer volunteers or resources, they actually increased the volume of food they were providing by a lot to the families in need in the city of Detroit. Eden Gives increased their partnerships with local markets, a lot of Trader Joe's specifically, just to call out a company that's doing some great work in food donation in this area, at least. So they connected with more Trader Joe's locations in the Detroit area to increase their food donation pipeline. And they also grew their volunteer base, adapting to the needs of the rising number of people who were depending on them for free, fresh food. What inspires me most about both of these nonprofits is, again, the fact that nobody shied away from their commitment to feed those in need, not for one minute. 
There were risks throughout the pandemic for all of us in many ways. As time became precious and as many of us were staying home, these volunteers continued to pick up and deliver food. Getting out into cities when many of us were staying home and sheltering in place in the same way that healthcare workers and supermarket workers were doing this because people needed them. These volunteers were in that category of frontline workers, so to speak, as well. And we shouldn't pass that over or ignore this group of people who were continuing to keep people supplied with what they needed. The courage of these volunteers who chose to rise above any fear they might have had to support their community highlights something we talk about often on our show. When you have a purpose and you are committed to serving others, you will find reserves of courage and commitment and discipline that you didn't know you had. I really believe that purpose and focusing on others gets us out of ourselves in the best possible way so that we can get our minds off of our own problems, our own worries, and put ourselves into a place where we matter due to what we have to give to others. If we think about others, we can't occupy our minds with our own fears and worries about our own circumstances. I was just talking to a friend the other day, actually, and she was having a really tough time. She has two young kids. We're still in the middle of this pandemic. The rules are changing all the time where we are. There are restrictions which prevent her from buying what she needs or or going to the places that she needs to go to for shopping for her children, not just for fun, but for things that she truly needs. And it's challenging and it's stressful. And like I said, it's always changing. That inconsistency can be really tough for families, I think. And she said, I was just sitting there depressed and stressed until finally I just said enough and she went to the market with her kids she bought some food and she went and gave it out to every homeless person she could find and she said after two weeks of feeling terrible I finally felt like I was coming back to myself and it's because I focused on someone else I did something for someone around me who needed something even more than I did and I think that is so powerful I hope all of us can continue to identify and share whatever gifts and resources we have for the benefit of those in our community, both locally and around the world. We're part of a global community here, and I think a situation like the pandemic shows us that more than any other kind of situation. We're truly all in this together when it comes to everything we talk about. And I really believe that owning our own gifts, offering them to the world, and offering our resources, whatever we have to share as well, will guide us away from fear and uncertainty and toward a stronger sense of cooperation, collaboration, community, which will build solutions naturally as we get more accustomed to listening to each other and working together. Next, I'd like to highlight a for-profit organization because there are some amazing companies out there. And yes, they're focused on sustaining themselves so that they can continue to do business. But if they're doing business in a way that creates amazing opportunity for impact and improvement in the world, I celebrate it and want to see it grow. Many companies have found creative ways to, again, not only survive the pandemic, but actually increase their positive impact by growing their product and growing their customer base. We highlight this company quite a bit on our show because they're just an awesome group, and they incorporate a lot of humor and fun behind a very serious mission. And I think that levity is really important and refreshing out there in the world. So, we just like them a lot, and we like to talk about them. So I want to talk about Final Co., also known as Final Straw. 
which was hit hard at the start of the pandemic as consumers drastically reduced spending of any kind because none of us knew what was coming and focused on essentials amidst so many uncertain circumstances. So many retailers, whether they're online or in-store, were really struggling at the beginning of the pandemic and many continue to. Be sure to support small local businesses these days as much as you can, everyone. But this is a really fantastic story that I think really highlights who Final Straw or Final Co. are. They had created an April Fool's Day product and sort of a joke post for their marketing channels to highlight this dummy product, this sort of April Fool's joke product. They were planning to put it on social media for a good laugh with their customer base and audience. But it actually was really great timing because the 1st of April, it became really clear that the world was responding to something that would be long-term and very challenging for businesses. So they were sort of set up to pivot in a way that could really serve them with this joke campaign. They were set to launch just a few weeks after the first lockdown started to come into place. Instead of putting out the joke and moving on and continuing to be concerned about how to overcome the pandemic's negative effects on consumer spending or looking at the numbers constantly, Final Co. decided to turn the joke product into a real product. They created a whole campaign around Final Wipe, a new product which is a set of reusable cotton cloths for a more sustainable home cleaning experience or a travel size version as well for messes on the go, which could replace single-use towels and polyester cleaning towels and tissues everywhere, not just affecting plastic waste and microplastics in our laundry, but also affecting single-use paper products. This product that was never supposed to be turned into their saving grace. The company obviously wasn't ready to sell a fake product from step one, so they launched their campaign and decided to create an online backing campaign as well to raise money from local customers by promising them first access to the new product as they actually developed it and built it based on their initial spoof idea. The campaign took off on Kickstarter, which is a theme with Final Co., and over the course of the project, they were able to raise over a quarter of a million dollars from over 4,000 customers around the world to breathe some long-term life into the company as it adapted amidst COVID and to launch this new product that they weren't even necessarily planning to create. As one of those almost 4,400 backers myself, it felt great to know that I was able to support a company that I believed in, that was doing good for the earth to help them come through the pandemic strong, and to contribute to them developing something new that was really useful and impactful, that could make that additional impact beyond their already impressive footprint with the quality products they already had on the market. Final shows us that tenacity, creativity, risk-taking, and being authentic to your personality and your mission can get you through anything. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there before something is perfect. If you believe in what you're doing and you know that people will resonate with it, as Final did, don't feel like you're stuck in a tried-and-true method when shaking things up means you'll come out of a challenging time much stronger. Sometimes staying safe, staying in your lane when everything's changing around you is the worst thing you can do. 
So now, in addition to the well-known collapsible, reusable straw that put Final on the mission-driven company's map, Final now has a portfolio of products which they've developed and refined over the course of the pandemic, including collapsible, reusable forks, sporks, which I have and love and bring with me everywhere and use all the time, large straws for smoothies and bubble tea called Biggie Straw, and now the Final Wipe to go beyond just plastic waste and begin to tackle paper waste as well, both at home and on the go. Don't be afraid to reinvent yourself in the face of obstacles and show people that you have even more to offer than you or they thought previously. And finally, we'd like to highlight a person who really inspires us just by virtue of who they are and what they're doing in their world and in their community. If you've been with us from the beginning, you might remember our conversation with Harita Davies, meditation teacher with the globally renowned Sri Chinmoy Center, which is based in New York City, where Harita lives. Harita spoke to us about so many helpful tools that she's found and that she recommends to cultivate and maintain a sense of peace in any circumstance, and about how important it is to remember that your contribution to the world happens every moment that you're alive, every moment of every day. How you think, how you behave, how you treat others, and treat yourself, maybe even more importantly, matters and affects the world. Harita also told us about her experience running the longest foot race in the world, the Sri Chinmoy 3,100-mile self-transcendence race. You heard me right, 3,100 miles, that's the length of this race. Harita, when we spoke to her, had recently completed this marathon, where participants run or walk 3,100 miles total over the course of 52 days or less. There's a limit of 52 days to get this done. And that translates to a minimum average of 60 miles per day, every single day, for almost two months straight. Not only is Harita's story incredibly inspiring as an example of what the human spirit and human body can accomplish when it's challenged by the most difficult of circumstances, I'm also thrilled to share that Harita just completed another round of this incredible race on October 25th of this year, finishing the race in 50 days this time, about 20 hours less than she needed last time. Despite all of the challenges that the pandemic has presented, the race organizers got the race together this year with runners from all over the world, including Italy, Japan, Russia, Taiwan, New Zealand, which Harita represents, even though she lives in the US, the Ukraine, and Slovakia. These racers were able to travel from all over the world to take part in the race in New York. There's so much we can accomplish if we allow our vision for what's possible to trump and be stronger than our limitations. Every day of this pandemic has been difficult for so many of us in so many different ways, but every day we continue to find a way through by supporting ourselves and supporting each other, which is the true spirit required to overcome massive obstacles, I think. You've gotta have community, collaboration, compassion for each other as we all have difficult moments, and support unconditionally. I've heard Harita speak a lot about the lack of a sense of 
true competition with this race. There's a competitiveness that drives the runners maybe, but not that sort of, I'm better than you, I must be better than you, I'm only thinking about myself. This race is a massive undertaking for every participant in it, which leaves little room for anything but humility and steadfastness and therefore support for others. When you're so focused on just staying the course, completing the race, and going through some really tough, challenging times like these runners in the 3100 mile race, you don't have a lot of space for competitiveness, for thinking only about yourself. I think we're all in a bit of an endurance marathon right now as we continue to adapt and grow through these very challenging circumstances of our own. And just like in the case of the 3,100-mile race, if we can stay focused on building each other up to get through this so that we reach the finish line, so to speak, intact, then we'll serve ourselves and each other much better. And just like with the race, we'll resume those things that truly matter to us in time, even if it's going to take a little longer than we'd all like or than we all maybe initially thought. And there might be some changes to our world along the way. Things might look a little different when we get to the other side of all this. We'll have to make some adjustments because we've all been changed by these experiences, but we'll find ourselves back on track again. And in the meantime, we're all doing our best. The world continues to adapt to an evolving and sometimes unpredictable situation. Often unpredictable, maybe even always unpredictable, I should say. Experts guess at the best path forward, and we all have to decide where to put our faith and who we allow to guide us individually. But closer to home, where each of us exists within a local community with our friends, families, neighbors, co-workers, and wherever we live, there's so much we can do to bring something positive and constructive to the table. For that reason, we wanted to put together some pandemic-proof ways that you can make an impact right now and every day. First up, I think, is one we often think of first. It's our sort of go-to when it comes to supporting other organizations, and that's financially. If you can afford it, contribute financially to nonprofits, organizations, and mission-driven small businesses who are doing work that you believe in. Help to keep their mission alive. Donate on a one-time basis, a recurring basis, purchase mission-driven products and give them as gifts to help spread the word and share the mission, bring other people into the mission by giving them that gift. Whatever works for you and whatever you can sustain. But giving financially is a really powerful way that we can support nonprofits and small businesses who are doing really good work in the world, especially when so many consumers are challenged or uncertain and are being very choosy about where to put their financial resources. And though this is one of the first things we think about, it's definitely not the only option we have. There's also virtual volunteering, which has really, I think, come into its own over the last couple of years. When I looked at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of great opportunities to do some virtual volunteering work, but now there are so many, as a lot of organizations move to a virtual work world. They're more open to having virtual volunteers supporting their organizations, supporting their operations, and that just increases the opportunity for us to make impact wherever we are in the world and around the world. A really amazing resource I like to check is volunteermatch.org, spelled just like it sounds. 
you can use this as a search engine for volunteering opportunities, and you can specifically say you want to focus on virtual opportunities. You can also use it for in-person volunteering in your local area, of course, but if you're focused on virtual opportunities, there are thousands to choose from, from language tutoring if you happen to be bilingual, to career mentoring if you're established in your career and you want to help young people who have questions about how to get started, to actual part-time positions with nonprofits who are sometimes asking for a commitment as low as a few hours a week to help grow their mission. If you're interested in exploring opportunities for virtual volunteering, visit volunteermatch.org and check out the opportunities available to you right now based on your interests and your skill set. There's so much you can do for just an hour to a few hours a week. I would also recommend that you simply jump onto your favorite search engine and search for virtual volunteering. I promise you'll find something that resonates with you. There's so much opportunity out there, even more than I realized when I just took a look before recording today's episode. And volunteer opportunities are a huge way to support organizations who are doing mission-driven work. A lot of them really rely on their volunteer community to make the day-to-day happen. Another pandemic-proof way that you can make an impact today is to explore donation and drop-off opportunities in your local community. There are always people in need, which means there's always opportunity for you to offer support to someone close to you. If anything, the need for goods like foods and household resources, cleaning products, self-care products has increased throughout the pandemic, most likely, no matter where you are. So if you haven't already, do a little research online about the local community centers, shelters, soup kitchens, or churches who offer support in your area who are working directly with those in need to provide resources like food, clothing, emotional support for some, housing, and more. Consider what you can donate to support these organizations, either on a one-time basis or regularly. Consider making a commitment to a regular donation routine where you pick up a few extra groceries every week and drop it by the shelter of your choice. Another impact you can have is to simply educate yourself with the resources out there in the form of films, books, and online information. We are living in a time where we have more access to new ways of thinking and new understandings and new information than ever before. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. In seconds, you can learn about anything you choose, and in a few more seconds, you can connect with those around the world who are doing work you care about when it comes to what you're learning about. Take some time each week to learn about a topic that matters to you when it comes to improving the world in some way. Maybe you're passionate about the environment, so learn more about specific ecosystems that you think are interesting and the people who are protecting them. Or maybe you're fascinated by urban farming practices and the opportunities inherent in those practices. Join online communities where you can learn more about what's going on within urban farming communities and then share your knowledge with those close to you. Support urban farms that you connect with in whatever way you can. Find like-minded groups who are focused on ideas that you want to help grow increasing gender equality and women's empowerment, access to education for young women around the world, wildlife protection, habitat conservation, sustainable energy, mission-driven business, homelessness, and solving it, childhood access to education, healthcare rights, natural and nutritional healing, whatever you resonate with, whatever really matters to you. 
And as you find those like-minded groups, get involved. Take advantage of this amazing resource that we have in technology and use it to join your voice with the voices of other people who are doing work that you believe in. I really feel like we're reaching a time in human history where we have to stand up for what's right. We really have to make our voices heard on some very important and pressing issues. I'm not someone who likes to label things as inherently bad or good or put a lot of judgment into the way I think about or talk about things because so much depends on context and intentions around something, but there are things that are just wrong, and I think we know it when we see it. Exploitation of people or the planet just for profit is wrong. The destruction of the environment for any reason that's not really for the highest good is wrong, and we know it when we see evidence of it. The dissolving of communities to benefit greed or power, callousness toward wildlife. When you see these things, start building a habit of speaking up. Try to worry less about what people around you will think of you or how they'll react, and worry more about what happens if we don't speak up. There's a really inspiring story I want to share that I just learned about. In India, small-scale farmers have been banding together over many years, since the early 1990s, to protest against laws and policies which exploit them, and which strip them, as small community farmers, of their revenues. It strips them of their control of their pricing through pricing mandates and government influence there and intervention. It prevents the farmers from ownership over their own seeds and more. Many of these same things have already happened in the United States and continue to happen, where farmers have less and less autonomy, less and less power to control what they grow and how because of corporate interests. These laws are wrong. They violate the fundamental rights of people to grow food and manage their relationship to it. And the Indian farmers saw this very clearly. In September of 2020, three new laws were introduced in India to codify some of these efforts by global corporations to control food in India. And the farmers stopped it. This just happened. Through nonviolent resistance and protests that did not stop, and after 600 farmers had died due to some of the backlash over the 333 days of protesting, the government of current Prime Minister Narendra Modi announced that the laws would be repealed. On November 19th, just a few weeks ago, this announcement was made. Due to perseverance and persistence, not backing down and raising their voices, these Indian farmers changed the course of their history when it comes to food and what it means to grow and manage food in the country of India. People can be powerful when we agree and commit ourselves to an idea that matters to us. When we see something is wrong, it's time for us to speak up, speak out, and organize with those around us in whatever way makes sense. Sometimes that's together physically, sometimes that's together online, but we have to raise our voices and make those who are in a position of influence hear what we have to say. There's a lot of course correction that we could generate by putting our voices together and staying committed to whatever we agree upon. There are so many causes to take up, and all of them deserve our collective attention. But none of us can highlight all of them, and none of us can make an impact alone. 
Take it upon yourself to own a cause that you truly care about, learn as much as you can about it, and then speak about it openly within your community to raise awareness, to start conversations. Try not to be too concerned with judgment from others or seeming like you're extreme about something that you just care very passionately about. Speak from your heart and with passion and nobody will fault you for it. At least that's been my experience. People around me don't always agree with my point of view, but if they can see that I'm genuine about it, I'm coming from a good place with good intentions, they'll hear me out, and often they'll come around, or after a few more conversations, they'll contribute their own thoughts to the conversation, which are constructive, even if their position is different than mine. We are powerful when we raise our voices on behalf of others, on behalf of the plant and animal kingdoms, or on behalf of other people who are suffering due to unfair practices and policies, or the loss of their rights. It's time for us to recognize and remember the power that we have. Finally, as we've said countless times on our show, it's so important to support each other through challenging times, to protect ourselves from judgment of ourselves and others when things are confusing or difficult. If we can find a way to cultivate patience, peace, and compassion with ourselves so that we don't put too much pressure on ourselves during these difficult times or others, we don't expect everyone to agree with us immediately or take the same approach that we do. If we can be more thoughtful rather than reactive, as we spoke about with our very recent guest, filmmaker Sam Rose Phillips, I think we set ourselves all up for more success in the long run. We get ourselves faster to that place of, okay, we're in this together. How can we collaborate to make this better? If we spend all of our energy accusing each other of being the problem or part of the problem, if we try to force people to change their perspective because our understanding is different from theirs, it just keeps us separate. It just keeps us in different camps, so to speak. And we don't get to that place of collaboration and solution building as readily or as quickly. Approaching circumstances, no matter what they are, from a more centered place to the best of our ability prevents us from having to spend every day in this kind of adrenaline-fueled cycle, this reactive mode where we're constantly just listening for the next thing that's going to set us off. Let's make sure that the first thing on our agenda is to ensure that we have what we need and that we're okay, we're stable, and that those around us have the same. I want to wrap up this portion by highlighting something Kim Buffington of Eden Gives said to us when we interviewed her a second time to focus on how her team was adapting to the first COVID lockdown back in the summer of 2020. Kim laid out two paths for us, for all of us, when we're in crisis mode. Either we come together, get closer, learn to support each other more, and grow together in powerful ways which can transform our communities or we get caught up in fear and division, blame and panic, gathering resources to ourselves and preventing others from having access to them, which not only harms us and the way we relate to our communities, hurting the community overall, but it also endangers vulnerable groups, those who really are in need. There's no room to support others if we're only focused on ourselves, just as there's no room for as much worry for our own problems if we're more focused on serving others. It's the two sides of the same coin. We will all have different approaches to every problem that we face, individually and collectively. But through diversity of opinion and tactics, we can build stronger, more lasting solutions than if we all agree on just a single path forward. The only things we really need to agree on are our priorities and our values, and then allow for a variety of opinions and approaches from there. 
if we can agree that it is worth it to value life in all forms on the planet and to protect and preserve the natural resources of the earth, we can build from there, from that understanding, with thousands of paths forward from that understanding to end the destruction we currently see in nature that's perpetrated by people. We don't have to agree on the methods, but we cannot proceed until we all agree on making a commitment to change the status quo, to redefine our values. So 2021 may not have been a banner year. It wasn't the year we put the pandemic behind us, and it wasn't the year we shifted course when it comes to many systemic problems we have, socially, economically, culturally. We're not there yet, but that's okay. Some of us may be encouraged by the Glasgow COP26 conference, some of us may be deeply disappointed and frustrated, but this highlights what I think 21 has taught me more than anything, and that's that I can't control what governments do, I can't control what politicians say, or if they follow through on their commitments, I can't control how circumstances play out around me when it comes to something like the pandemic or many other aspects of life. All I can control is how I react and what action I choose to take. I do my best every day to choose to be as compassionate as I can be, while also raising my voice to speak out about the things that I care about, believe in, and believe could be better. In 2022, let's try our best to stay focused on the vision that matters most to us. Let's stay more focused on the vision of potential, possibility, improvement, collaboration, and constructive ways of approaching the world, rather than conflict and blame and dysfunction and assuming the worst about others and ourselves. Let's remember that we do have power over our own experiences and also over how we impact the lives around us. And let's refuse to allow the challenges of the day to take away from the vision we have for a better world. Even amidst a pandemic, so much good can come out of our challenges, as our guests have shown us. And maybe even more good than we would have discovered otherwise. Let's continue to look for the opportunity within the difficulty, and do our best to stay strong, speak up, be there for each other, and build a better world. Have a fantastic holiday season, stay healthy, stay calm, enjoy your time with your loved ones. We're going to take a couple weeks off to relax and unplug, and we'll see you in 2022.